Why do women test men? Oh, yes, I love this. It's because we want to, to know that we can trust you and that you are our man. And that even if we test you, like, even if we're like, you're really gonna do that, you know? Or, hey, babe, like, can you fix this for me? And it's a test. It is a test. It's because it goes back, back to when we were in tribes. And it's like, we want to know that our man is gonna fight for us. Hello and welcome to The James Zander Trip. In today's episode, we're gonna dive into Kundalini Awakening, spinal energetics, psychedelics, intuition, psychic abilities, manifestation, and much more. Joining me today is a nutrition therapist, energy healing practitioner, spiritual seeker, and total badass. She helps people heal their mind and body by working with energy, nutrition, mindset, and holistic practices. She's super passionate about health, spirituality, and personal development, but what is most alive for her right now is her passion for the incredible healing energies of kundalini and spinal energetics. Please welcome Maggie Moon. Thank you so much, James. It is so wonderful to be here and to just be in your presence again. It's been a moment since we were together last, and I'm just so thankful to be here. So, Thank you so much. It's an honor to have you on the show. Before we dive into your Kundalini awakening, your psychic experiences, how you moved countries to meet the love of your life, <laughs> and so much more, I want to start with your childhood and teenage mm -hmm. years. Can you paint for me the picture of those years and how they set you up for the evolution of your soul? Mm, absolutely. And I love that you started with that because truly to understand who I am today and to understand why I am the way I am today is to go back to my childhood. And um, yeah, so I grew up in Illinois um, Southern Illinois, and I had um, amazing parents. Just want to start with that. I think we all love our parents, but um, everyone goes through a, a rough childhood in their own definition. And um, yeah, I my parents got divorced when I was three, and um, my mom got remarried, and it was it was rough having a stepdad. And then having a half-brother who um, I love so much, but um, was kind of like the golden child. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of difficult feeling like I didn't have a family. And I spent a lot of time alone. I spent a lot of time outside with fairies and like just being in my own kind of like spiritual world, if that makes sense. And um, I had to be very, very cautious when I was at home because um, I was constantly worried I was going to get in trouble. And so I just kind of had this like very, very sensitive um, like hearing in a way, which a lot of like kids who've gone through trauma also have. Um, what do you mean by sensitive hearing? So I don't know if you ever experienced this as a kid, but if you were home and you could tell who it was just by listening to their footsteps. This, the creak of the stairs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, that's dad. He's home. Like better like be doing something productive or I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. And so I grew up 
basically having that my whole life and um and just kind of feeling like an outcast in some ways never feeling like I fit in um your relationship with your mom though was closer it it was good it was just hard because um like I always call her like my best friend but um I felt like I was more of a mother to her sometimes and that was difficult being a kid and um just having to grow up a lot faster um and so yeah just always feeling like I had to like emotionally support my my own mom and not feeling safe to really be at home and not being able to really foster a lot of friendships um because I couldn't have anybody over Mm. um because it was very very strict household um so so yeah I just became a very very emotionally sensitive child um because I had to be when I was at home had to make sure like my stepdad was in a good mood for me to like you know do something upstairs and um so I didn't really know that a lot of this was just like preparing me like preparing my emotional sensitive um senses I guess um to to be also energetically sensitive and like I know a lot of people understand the concept of you can sense someone when they walk in the room like whether they're upset with you or anything like that but like imagine being downstairs and like being able to tell when someone comes home upstairs and being like oh yep not gonna go upstairs today because it's like not good so in a way it was training your psychic abilities maybe it was training your perception Mm -hmm. abilities more than just the hearing itself but Mm -hmm. like the energy of someone yeah it definitely was like i i really haven't even like dove into this before but yeah it really was more of energy and like hearing as well um but yeah so i i was very energetically sensitive to the whole household and making sure like um it was safe to to be upstairs um because my bedroom was downstairs and so I was just kind of like do I want to go upstairs and like chance getting in trouble or just you know stay in my own world um so yeah that definitely was uh, a a tough 18 years um mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess not full 18 but like 15 years of my life um, just not really feeling like I had a home where did you find your freedom in those years definitely going to friends house and just like or being outside and I was such a goofball when I was like around my friends that's where you could truly shine mm-hmm. and not be afraid of any repercussions yep and I was just like I just yeah and I became kind of a rebel in high school um just yeah not 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 like that bad but like more towards the end of high school I was I was starting to smoke weed and like party a little bit and um I think it was because I felt so constricted like as a child I was like I want to break free and like you know so um, many teenagers go through that for sure of course yeah yeah so it was definitely um a preparation of sorts um just for later in life and um i also feel like with having a smaller group of friends um i just kind of 
I a lot of times had more time to myself and I wasn't always around people. And um, yeah, I think it was just a really good time to to be introspective and um, spend a lot of time in my own world. So, yeah. And as you became an adult, and did you mm-hmm. feel any of those childhood issues come up later on in life? And how did you deal with them then? 100%. Yeah, I mean healing is a journey and we're, it's it's a lifelong it's, yeah it's lifelong it, there's really no you know little congratulations trophy you you are completely healed like <laughs> there's no end line yeah. no so um yeah it really started when i kind of hit rock bottom in college and i was just over drinking um and had just terrible, terrible health issues with my gut. And then on top of that, I had anxiety that was really debilitating at times. And, um, did that manifest in college? mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it was just the culmination of not dealing with my childhood, having really low self-confidence. Um, I always find it interesting that during childhood, even though things you don't realize how wrong things are how dysfunctional they are Mm -hmm. and you feel like you don't have trauma and then you enter your adulthood and everything floats up and you're like Mm. whoa that thing and that thing and that thing and i had not dealt with it and it's like Mm -hmm. all of it comes rushing back it's like you don't escape anything if you didn't look at it then you're gonna have to look at it later 100 percent yeah and especially in relationships and especially romantic relationships it they they cause you to face the triggers and really go deep into like why do i have these triggers where did it originate from and that's why um when i have clients i the first thing we we focus on is mind Mm. We go deep into limiting beliefs. We go deep into the childhood trauma because it shaped us. You know, as much as we want to say like, oh, it's in the past, like it's not who I am anymore. Um, It definitely shapes who we are today and it shapes like how we relate to others, how we show up in the world. And yeah, so have done a lot of work around that. Um, And I would say probably like, the two biggest um, therapies that have helped me so much were EMDR, which is um, kind of called like brain spotting. And it's a type of therapy that um, it's really interesting. You just like stare at a wall for 30 minutes or so and you talk about one of the most traumatic times in your life. To the wall. 30 minutes, just staring at a, a point on the wall. And you have a therapist who's there, like listening, talking you through it. And you basically talk through it until it's not interesting anymore. Wow. And and when you're you're focusing on that spot, it's like you're almost reliving it. It's because everything else kind of just like goes away. And when you can just relive it and then do it again, relive it one more time, maybe a third time if you need to it's no longer traumatic. It's no longer bringing up those scary, awful feelings. Why does that happen? 
I don't know the full psychology behind it, um, but I know it has to do with like you're accessing. It's almost like when you're staring at a point on the wall, you're accessing a point in your subconscious that you wouldn't be able to if you were just telling someone the story. And um, it's it's it really does work because I think, um, yeah, I know that when I was going through this therapy, it was I was remembering things I had never remembered before, mm. and able to release it and just like let it out, so it was no longer stuck in my subconscious. And by telling it to the wall, or as the therapist is there to the point on the wall, you are neutralizing it because mm-hmm. you said until it loses interest yep so that seems to be the key that you want to reach in that absolutely. therapy absolutely yeah and um it's similar to what ibrahim does with trauma transmutation and it's basically ibrahim Turner, who we had on the podcast yes yeah and um it's basically allowing you to relive it fully and then take away his power and it's no longer traumatic anymore. Like I I've had a list of maybe 10 of the most traumatic things in my life. And I think we went through almost half of them. And now I'm able to to look back and just be like, oh, those moments are no longer traumatic to me. And it's really helpful for people with PTSD and um, yeah, anxiety. It's really helpful. Do you know why we feel traumatic about those events? in the first place yeah it's because we especially as children we don't know how to process huge emotions and when we don't process the emotions in the moment Mm -hmm. then they become stored and stuck in our body and in our subconscious and when you can kind of bring them back up and relive them it's like you're giving yourself the key to release it and it no longer has to be stored as this awful memory. It can be something that you're like, yep, that happened. And like, it's it no longer has a hold on me. So when you look back at your most traumatic moments now, mm-hmm. what do you feel when, when you think of them? It's almost kind of funny. <laughs> mm, I, I can relate to that. Some of the most painful experiences yeah. when you can get on the other side of that. Yeah. They're amusing. Yeah, You see them as you're this character in the movie at that mm-hmm. time, clueless, innocent, naive, yes. and you've made all these mistakes. But in the end, you're like, okay, it's a little bit funny when you look at it as a, as a movie. Mm-hmm. And humor can be so healing. Like to be able to look back at something that used to bring up so many hard emotions and just be like well, like that happened, you know, (laughs) and just laugh about it. It's like, that was crazy. That was crazy. Oh my gosh. Wasn't that reckless? Yeah. And you no longer find it interesting because when you find something interesting, it's like your brain immediately goes radar. You're like the, the, the radar in your brain's like, oh my gosh, it's beeping. And it's like, oh my gosh, we have to look at this. We have to focus on this. Like, how can we fix this? And, um, when you can just be like, oh, it, it was just, you know, a moment in time. and That I made into this huge thing. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it was at the time, mm-hmm. but now is the time to let it go. Yeah, and it may have affected you for years afterwards, but it doesn't have to affect you now. It doesn't have to continue. 
I think that's the most interesting thing I find is like until it's no longer interesting. Mm-hmm. And isn't that also true of like when you're younger, you care so much about what other people think. Mm. Yeah. When you get older, you're not interested. Yeah. You know yourself so deeply and you know what you stand for mm-hmm. that you no longer find the opinions of others as compelling anymore. It's that's completely true. Yeah. And there's so many things in life that, um, you can really use that on and you know whether it's from your past or your present you can just you know whether it's something you're stressed about right now like for example um you're stressed about finishing this task that's been daunting you for a month and it's all you can think about and it's stealing your joy it's keeping you just outside of the present moment and if you can sit with it for literally just 30 minutes Mm. and just think through it and think through the worst case scenario ever yes and then you'll start laughing and you'll be like oh it's not that bad like i'm not actually gonna become homeless and everybody's gonna hate me that's like (laughs) not going to happen or if you do it's gonna be okay it's okay like and and that's just you're not gonna die from it Exactly. Because at the root of so many fears that we have, it's like either losing love or dying or rejection. Rejection. And yeah. And when you really just allow yourself to feel through, like, why am I actually upset or stressed about this? And then you're like, oh, at the root of it is this, like, this fear that is not true. Can you tell me a story of an example of that? that's recent or relatively recent? Yeah, for sure. I feel like Bali has really brought up a lot of these old fears for me. And I call Bali like a washing machine. Like (laughs) you come here and it's like a spiritual washing machine. She's like, whatever you have been repressing or pushing down, we're just going to like shake you until it's like... Out of you. <laughs> it's like, We're gonna bleach you. We're literally. gonna add the detergent. <laughs> like what whatever stains you have, they're gonna be gone, but it it might be painful. <laughs> might be a little rough and tumble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's it's been a lot being in Bali. Um, I think when I first came to Bali, I actually had a lot of insecurities. I lived in LA for three months and I didn't realize how much that had affected me mentally and energetically too. How so? So I don't know if you've ever been to LA, but um, it's kind of a dog eat dog world. People are not necessarily nice. And if if you're a Midwestern girl just trying to to make it out there, you're probably going to get stepped on. And um, there's like Amy Adams in that movie, Enchanted. (laughs) Yes, yes, literally. (laughs) Yeah, like just like almost just being fed to the wolves a little bit, you know, and um, just being like this nice little innocent sheep, just being like, oh, LA is so fun and beautiful and and getting there and be like, oh, wow, okay. There's Um, a dark underside to it. There's definitely a lot of darkness there, especially in Hollywood, um, which is a totally different topic um but yeah it was it really affected my my mental health and my self-esteem and um 
yeah, just my my belief in myself, I think, was the biggest thing that it really affected. And so coming to Bali and um, being surrounded by so many successful entrepreneurs and I came here and I was just like, oh my gosh, everyone's so beautiful and amazing. And I felt, I still felt very low and very hard on myself. And, um, and then I started to really just be like, why is this so interesting to you? You know, why am I so worried about how others are perceiving me? And then I remembered, oh, that was the environment I was living in, in LA. And that's what everyone was worried about. And so I just kind of like by default felt that kind of take over me in a way. You brought that LA energy with you to Bali. Yeah. And, And I was like, Bali is the opposite of LA. And it took me going to Sumerkima up north Bali for a couple of weeks and just literally lounging around in a villa with two of my best friends naked and us just literally being these goddesses. And I was like, why did I find being so you know, worried about my self-image so interesting. And I just really meditated on that. And um, I cried a lot and I just released it. And um, yeah, I was like, it's no longer interesting to me. It's mm-hmm. it's just, it was what I was really focused on when I came here. Mm-hmm. And then coming to Bali, she, Bali, I call her she, her energy is very feminine to me. Um, she was just like, this is not serving you in the slightest. And so just releasing that and um, yeah, just it's been an initiation since since moving here for sure. It's interesting how important the self-belief is and the Mm self-image and the self-concept that we have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it kind of ties back to what you were talking about in college, right? Mm -hmm. Where you had that anxiety. Do you want to take Mm -hmm. me back to that and- Sure. Yeah. Because honestly, um, in college, when I was around 21 years old, that was like the start of my awakening and my health journey and my spiritual journey. And um, I grew up Catholic. And so a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. And um, yeah, it was it was the first time that I started choosing my own spirituality and um, choosing my own beliefs. What was the the inception of that? Well, um, I was atheist for a summer in college, and then I found I like refound God, and I started going back to the Catholic Church, but it just did not resonate. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is just not me. The sit down, stand up, the <laughs> like, you know, the chant, the reciting of of prayers didn't feel like a relationship with God. And and so I really wanted to start to cultivate that. And I started doing meditation. And meditation was really that that gateway. And I started doing yoga and I started um, really getting into essential oils, which was so huge for helping relieve anxiety. And yeah, I just started realizing that it's not just religion, it's and. Like for me, it's it's plus religion. Mm. It's not just what 
religion says you have to believe. It can be also other spiritual practices. And I was pretty scared to like leave the church at times. And honestly, up until this last year was the first time that I was like, okay, I'm not really Catholic anymore. Um, but yeah, leaving the church and finding my own spirituality was was huge. And then healing my gut health was just life-changing uh, because I think a lot of my anxiety rooted from having um, just a disordered gut and IBS and um, leaky gut, like I SIBO, I kind of had it all. And um, I use essential oils to heal my body through taking essential oils in a capsule. And um, yeah, so once I did that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is life-changing. Healing your gut and healing your mind through spirituality. And I started sharing more about it. Um, so yeah, all of that combined was what really helped me start to <clears throat> step out excuse me, <clears throat> step out of the conditioned self that I had grew up as, as this small-minded, you know, from a small town growing up in a household that told me, you know, you have to do this route in life or you won't be successful. And um, I yeah. I love that, the conditioned self. Mm -hmm. And even when you're aware of it, like you're aware of how much conditioning is in you. Sometimes it's so hard to let that go. One hundred percent, and it's it's like this unraveling, and um, it, I like to call it almost like creating new rivets in your brain mm, because mm -hmm. we have these deep, deep rivets from all of these beliefs that have been passed down to us, and even ancestral, and. So it takes time to create new pathways in the brain and and let the other ones dry up and go away. But yeah, it it's um it's definitely a a culmination of different modalities that really help you to uncondition the self. You mentioned that you found God through meditation. Mm, yeah. Talk to me a little more about that. Honestly, I I feel like it was kind of a, I, I felt like I was doing something wrong at first when I found him through meditation. Mm. Because Sounds like you were doing everything right. <laughs> right. And it was because I didn't find him in church. And when I started finding him through reading Eckhart Tolle and reading Michael Singer and, um, or I forget it's um conversations with god and reading books like that and really feeling the power of the holy spirit and god through these books that weren't the bible i had that like conditioned self come up and say hey this is wrong this is not right this isn't the the religious way to do it do you think and it's because you're trained as a kid that you can only get access to god through going to church or through a priest or through some authority mm -hmm. that grants you access. And Wonderful. here you were on your own, reading books, meditating, mm -hmm. and you were finding him on your own. 100%. And isn't that the best thing ever, the most empowering thing? Mm -hmm. But for you initially, it felt like almost like guilty, right? It did. It felt like it was wrong. I was like, 
why does this feel so much better than going to church? <laughs> um, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> and then I just kept, I, I kind of was balancing both. And I feel like I still do in a way. Um, I still have some some beliefs I, I grew up with. But um, yeah, I was still kind of going to church, but also meditating and getting into spirituality on during the weekdays and and so um yeah it felt it felt weird at first to step out of the the religious box and to really start yeah just discovering my own beliefs which i think should be encouraged so much more mm -hmm. because as human beings I just don't believe that there's just one thing that we can all believe. There's just, we're just not meant to do that. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if there was ever just like one time that I meditated and I was like, oh, there's God, you know, like it was just kind of like a. It was a process. It was a process yeah. of really trusting that and, and, and knowing that that is okay. And mm -hmm. good to mm -hmm. to pray and to to meditate outside of church. So. It was the same thing for me and psychedelics, where mm. it wasn't one trip, although there were several powerful moments. Mm -hmm. But over time, from doing mushrooms, yeah. doing DMT, later on doing ayahuasca, mm -hmm. you build a relationship with the divine, mm. with the greater, you know, the the great mystery mm -hmm. of life. And you realize, wow, this this is God. Mm -hmm. And you feel it on such an intrinsic personal level that there's no denying anymore. Mm -hmm. There's no no one needs to convince you. There's no book that you need to read or no sermon you have to go to. Mm -hmm. You just know from your own experiences. And I wish that for every single person listening to this, mm -hmm. whether it's through meditation or through psychedelics or through breath work or through any other path. Mm -hmm. get the experience of god for yourself mm -hmm. not through an intermediary absolutely and that's what i love to encourage um just clients that i work with is that you don't ever need to go to a healer you don't ever need to rely on anyone outside of you to tell you how to find god how to heal your own body because we have our own intuition mm. and and our own and i believe that our intuition is god basically speaking to us yes, yes. and and the higher self yeah whatever you want to call it and um yeah i think that it's everyone's right to be connected to that i think i read somewhere intuition is universal intelligence yes i was like yes because yes. we have our own intelligence but there's a greater intelligence working through us. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, a lot of times our intuition doesn't even make sense. And that's when you know, okay, like this is definitely divine because we don't always have, you know, the the perfect path in our mind, but God or the universe does. Has a broader view, more yeah, zoomed out view. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, intuition, tapping into that is so powerful. And once I started doing that, like really creating my own relationship with myself and with God, 
and and knowing that it doesn't matter what it looks like to anyone and knowing that my pathway is the perfect pathway that's when i was like set free honestly Mm, beautiful yeah for those listening how can they develop their intuition deeper yeah i get this question a lot um and i think it's it's easier than you would imagine and to differentiate between your own thoughts or your intuition is that a lot of times when you have your own thoughts you're going to second guess yourself you're going to be like "Mm, does that make sense like is this right but when it's a knowing it's almost like you can feel it in your body and it might not always make sense your intuition might tell you to quit your job or leave the relationship you're in or move across the country in two weeks and it might not make sense, but if you can follow that almost like breadcrumb trail, it's like it it gets louder. Yeah. And you know when you're making when you're following your intuition and making choices based off of that, because things just align. And then you become you become like just it, everything becomes more clear. And you get a confirmation. Yes. After a while, you're like, yeah, oh, I followed my intuition and mm-hmm. it was completely right. Or I didn't. <laughs> and yes. I paid the price. Yes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people will tell me stories of them, you know, making these decisions. And and it's like, it's so funny. You can look back and, and hindsight is twenty twenty, But that's, it's it's just a learning opportunity to really use situations that didn't go as you had hoped to to learn from them to be like okay i don't think i listened to my intuition you know and um was there an experience in your life where intuition served you powerfully oh yeah many times many times over and um it's funny how even little things mm-hmm. like day to day, I can tell when I didn't follow my intuition. Um, but yeah, I guess one really cool story was in 2020 when I just up and moved to Colorado because that's where my heart was wanting to go. I knew it wasn't the right timing. and But I was like, I want to go. I want to go. I want to leave St. Louis. And I want to get out of this small town. And I moved to Colorado, found the gorgeous house with a couple of friends. And I found a, a temporary job in healthcare. And, um, and, but I, what I really wanted, because I feel like I was settling in that moment. And my intuition was like, don't settle, don't do it yet. Um, the partial match. Yep. Yeah, and what I really wanted was to do travel ultrasound. And um, I was like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave right now. And yeah, so we got there. We got this house, and I was so excited to be in Colorado. And then <laughs> two months in, they told me that they were going to like hire me for a full-time position. And a week later... Um, they had a different manager, things got messed up, and they hired a different woman outside. And I had to train her. So it was only like, not only did I not get the job, I had to train her 
and <laughs> it was like a slap in the face and i was like humbling yeah and i was like i don't understand what's going on here but <laughs> and then there were no other ultrasound jobs and it was so weird because when i first moved there there was a plethora and i was like what is going on universe and i had a week left of being paid and working in this position and training this chatty Kathy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, it's going to be fine. It'll all work out. I trust. Like I just remained in full trust. And then I just had this pull to leave Colorado. And then the next day, I got this call saying that there was a job opportunity in South Carolina in like five days. And I was like, I just moved to this place, this beautiful home, and I have great roommates. I love this job. But I, you know, this opportunity is literally starts the day that I would be unemployed. Mm -hmm. And it was just like the universe was like, come on, honey, take this. Like, mm -hmm. you're not meant to be here in Colorado anymore. It's not where we wanted you in the first place. And you didn't listen. So <laughs> Here's that kind of sucks, but we're going to help you. Yeah. And yeah, I took the job and it was incredible the synchronicities that happened once I took that job of just like drop-ins of, you know, spiritual growth and self-development and living on my own for the first time. So yeah, needless to say, when you follow the call and your intuition, things just align. Yeah, for me, a big sign of that is the synchronicity aspect. Mm -hmm. When you feel like it's just too much synchronicity, that's usually a great sign that it's something divine is is orchestrating things here. And if you were to take this opportunity, even though you don't see the whole breadcrumb path yet, mm -hmm. it'll turn out well. 100%. And the times where, you know, you feel like, okay, this feels good, but then you doubt yourself. And you mm -hmm. say no to something, mm -hmm. you realize later on, oh, that was the universe giving me a hand. Mm -hmm. 100%. And yeah, it, the synchronicities, I think that's probably one of the biggest signs of you're on the right path. You're following your intuition, you're in alignment. And synchronicities to me are, are almost like divine coincidences where just to kind of de define that for people. But um, it's where something that is so perfect, you couldn't even come up with it yourself. And yeah, that's what happened. I eventually got a job in Hawaii that hadn't been open for years and um, that led me down a whole other path. So yeah, synchronicities are, are definitely a sign you're following your your intuition. Yeah. I want to go back to the two tools you said helped you the most. You mm -hmm. mentioned one of them. Yes. E yeah, which is EMDR. EMDR. What was the second one? The second one. Yeah, I I would say the second was getting into energy healing and and realizing that a lot of times what's holding us back is not physical or mental. It could be energetic. And once I was able to start to understand my chakras and, 
Because I remember a few years ago, I got this book called The Chakra Bible. And I was just like, let me look through it, read through it. And I didn't believe it. And I understand why. Because when you don't have that initial proof or that feeling of what energy healing can feel like, a lot of people are like, I don't, I don't believe in that energy stuff. And um, I'm glad you bring that up because there might be a lot of people listening to this who are like, energy healing. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about, for, for especially for those listening who might be doubtful. Absolutely. What changed your perception of it? Because you were also a non-believer mm-hmm. who became a believer. Yes. Yeah. So I used to just be like, mm, what is this Reiki energy healing stuff? Like what, what are the chakras? Like I don't, I was so far removed from it that I just couldn't really fathom it. And I think that's a lot of people these days, you know, it's, it's not every day that someone gets to experience Reiki or Kundalini um, or have an awakening. And so I don't blame them because it's, it's not something you can see. It's not something you can really touch. And, and so it's hard to fathom. You have to experience it. Yes. Similar to something like DMT. Mm-hmm. Or, or shrooms yeah yeah or yeah anything like that it's really to understand it is to experience it and um i remember ha- i had my first reiki session in 2019 and i left there being like whoa what was that that was crazy and what did you feel i you know it was funny because i didn't feel a lot physically but I could feel like I was lighter when I left. Huh. And um, in the session, we were working on cutting an energetic cord to one of my exes. And I felt that. I I didn't feel like the, the chakras, but I could feel when she was helping me to like release that cord. And um, I work a lot with Mother Mary, and at the end of the session, she was like, Mother Mary was really helping me to to cut your energetic cord, and I just started bawling, so I was like, I felt that, and but I didn't really do too much with it until more recently, within the last year or so, and um, I knew Reiki was powerful, but I didn't know that working with your own energy centers could be something that you do at home, mm-hmm. you know, and through meditation and and just focusing your own energy. Um, so when I moved to Bali, that was when I really started getting into energy healing and I really, really felt the power of it um, because the more you experience it, the more sensitive you become to it. And um, so I had a, a Reiki training that just really opened my channels, opened my mind, opened everything to this energy. And now I can literally feel like, oh, like this chakra is off balance today or this chakra is feeling a little closed off, you know. And so a lot of people, they'd be like, well, that's maybe that's just you. And I'm like, no, everyone can feel this like. We just have so much baggage and 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 blockages from our past that keep our chakras from really operating at a, a peak performance. So 
What are some energy yeah. healing rituals or techniques or processes that you would recommend mm -hmm. people explore? First and foremost, an easy one would be Palo Santo. And just, you know, having a little piece of Palo Santo and burning it and just kind of like waving it around your body and your aura to really just kind of cleanse any negative or um, just dense energies that you have in your aura. Um, because we have... Not to get technical on you, but um, please, we Let's have um, more than just our chakras. We have our aura, and we have um, different bodies in our kind of energetic field. And so we have like a mental energetic body, a physical energetic body, then an auric, and a universal, and it just kind of like expands out. So. Um, yeah, you can cleanse your your aura with the Palo Santo. And then um, doing guided meditations on different chakras or sound healing can be really powerful and really gentle as well. Um, and And then Reiki, I feel like, would be like the next step up from there. In our notes uh, that I asked you for the podcast, you said, Daddy Joe Dispenza helped you with some <laughs> meditations. Yes, Daddy Joe, we love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's the goat, you know, and his meditations really help to get out of our conscious mind and into our subconscious. And he doesn't really talk about energy as much as he talks about the brain. Um, but that's what we're also working with when you do his meditations. Um, and he has a meditation called, um, I think it's like healing of the energy centers. And I remember doing that a few years ago and being like, whoa, this is powerful. Um, like I could really feel each chakra. And um, yeah, because I think a lot of people just don't know where to start. Yeah. With with energy and energy healing. So maybe Daddy Joe Dispenza. Daddy Joe Dispenza. Honestly, he's great. <laughs> Do you think that meditation is on YouTube or somewhere people can find it? You can buy it on his website. I think it's uh, maybe like $20 or so. But it's, it's a really long meditation. But it's one of those things that once you buy it, you can always come back to it. And um, it has instructions on how to do it. And... Yeah, if if anyone's interested on just kind of getting a a taste of energy healing, that would be a beautiful way to start. Mm -hmm. Other than the energy healing, was there anything else that helped you step out of victimhood? Yeah, definitely. Um, network spinal, which is similar to spinal energetics. Define that for for those listening. Yeah. Um. So. Spinal network or network spinal is a modality that chiropractors use. And it basically is adjusting your spine without the use of manually adjusting your your spinal cord. How does that work? Yeah, it's really cool. And it uses these gateways in your in your body that are energy gateways. And it's to basically open these gateways to signal to your nervous system that it's safe because so many of us are stuck in the, the sympathetic nervous system where we're in fight or flight all day, every day. And 
we can't heal our body because of that. And we have this chronic pain because we're so tense and we're in this victimhood of, of our past and it's literally stored in our bodies. And so when you have a network spinal session, it's opening your gateways and allowing your body to come back to a parasympathetic mode and step out of victimhood. And you felt a big difference around that? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it would be really helpful to kind of give people a timeline of just my journey with energy healing. Um, so when I moved to Bali, I really didn't have any idea of what I wanted to to do with energy healing, but I felt called to Reiki. But I wanted to just kind of try some different energy healing modalities just to just try it out. And um, I tried Network Spinal first. That was the first modality. And it was actually like, it felt like a domino effect after that. And because once you are, your spine is in alignment and you're energetically in alignment and you step out of victimhood, then you're like, I can do anything. Like, I got this, you know? And so that was one of the first energy healing sessions I had here. And then I had um, level one and two of my Reiki training done. And that, like, blasted open my channels. And um, and then the same week, I had a water purification. And then I had a kundalini activation. And... So it was almost like I was like slowly but surely like preparing my body and my mind and my energy system mm -hmm. for an awakening. Wow. So going back to Network Spinal, I really feel like it was the precursor to my awakening because it brought me back into alignment with myself and it helped me to be more relaxed and to... Because when we're so tense and our body and our spine is out of alignment, we can just be in this like victimhood. And, um, and when you can relax and be in parasympathetic mode and, and just be able to take on more stress, then life starts to, your reality literally changes because you can take on more, you can do more. Yeah. So I hope that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Take me through your kundalini awakening journey. Yeah. That is like the most fascinating thing. When I heard this from you, I'm like, I need to hear her story. Yeah. I need to know how it started, how you felt during the process. And also maybe for those listening, can you define what is kundalini awakening? Absolutely. And yeah, I'm glad I started with the the story of how I got there because... I did a lot of preparation and I, I think um, just to kind of pre preface with that is that um, when you do kundalini activation, you're probably not going to have an awakening immediately like I did. <laughs> because you had a lot of precursors that led you to that. Yes. Prepared you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I went to a kundalini activation session on i want to say like february 13th it was friday the 13th friday the 13th yeah and actually i think it was january 13th yeah not february yeah and um 
Friday the 13th, which was Goddess Day. Interesting. Yeah. It was so kismet and synchronous. Um, And so Kundalini is Shakti. It's this energy that lies dormant at your root chakra. And a lot of people relate it to a serpent because when this energy rises through your chakra system, it, it kind of rises like a snake would. And it basically opens all of your chakras as it rises. And it really kind of forces you to awaken your consciousness and to release whatever the blockages in your chakras that have been holding you back, um, just to release that. And so in a kundalini session, a lot of times you'll have very old patterns or emotions come up and to be released. And I didn't really expect that. I It was your first one. My first one. You're like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try it out. No it expectation. Was no expectations. I went with three of my other friends. And... Um, such, such a good state to be in, the no yeah. expectation state. Exactly. It actually allows for miracles to come through. 100%. And with Kundalini... The the only thing that you need to to bring is surrender and Ooh. letting go. Wow. Yeah. Surrender. Yeah. It's a huge one. Mm-hmm. And and so leading up to this session, I felt like my my channel was already really open from my two different Reiki attunements, which normally you're not supposed to do, like two in a row. So You were being a badass rebel. <laughs> I was like, let's just go for it. <laughs> and i love it i intuitively just kind of knew it was what i needed to do and so we went to the session and i didn't really know what to expect we just lay down on this mat and this woman named claudia she didn't really give us much direction she was just like lay down and we'll get started and i was like okay let's do this (laughs) (laughs) and so i lay there and she's like all i ask you to focus on is surrender And within the first, I don't even know how many seconds, it felt like a millisecond, I felt the power of this kundalini energy. And there was music blasting, and I was just immediately felt like I was taken from this earth. And it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And I don't know if you've ever experienced the tetany that can happen with breath work where your fingers and your mouth kind of like close up Mm. and you get like crab hands. (laughs) And tingling. Yeah, tingling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that happened immediately for me. And usually it takes like 30, 40 minutes to get to that point in breath work. But it immediately, my body, whole body like tensed up and my body started moving and I was like doing crazy mudras with my hands and I was shaking and crying and um I don't think I've got really cried that hard and ever <laughs> so but then as soon as I released that I was laughing crying and I was experiencing this oneness with the humans the beautiful humans that were there with me and with God and it was incredible and 
yeah, I I worked through grief. I worked through anger. I was like throwing a tantrum at one point, and my inner child was just so present. And yeah, it was incredible. And everybody else at the end like got up and we're in a circle. And I literally was like, I can't move. I literally was like, my body is not on this planet yet. And I need a second. And it took me like 20 minutes to really come back to earth. And I met light beings during the session. I heard, I don't know if it was God, the Holy Spirit, or who it was, but loudly say, the power is in your hands. Mm. It's your turn now. And I was like, whoa. And I thought they were just talking about Reiki. I was like, okay, energy, healing. And so when I finally came back and shared with the the circle, Claudia looked me in the eye and she's like, you just had an awakening, didn't you? I was like, I think so. (laughs) And from that moment on, my life has never been the same. And the, the month after was one of the most intense months of my life because when this energy is released and is risen, there's really no going back. It's like you're going to be purifying, you're going to be t- be detoxifying, releasing years worth of things that have just held you back in life, which is great, but also really hard. Intense. And intense. Um, and, but there was also such beauty in it as well. And my partner, Ibrahim, um, we were living together at the time and I, we had been going through like some struggles in our relationship and I wanted to do Reiki on him the next day afterwards. And I was like, babe, just let me do some Reiki on you and it'll be really nice. And that's how it always starts. (laughs) And it turned into Kundalini. For him. For him. What the hell? (laughs) It was crazy. It was like I couldn't control my body. It was like forces outside of me were just like, keep going, keep doing it. And I was doing all these motions and mudras. And he was moving so much out of his body and crying, releasing. And it went on for like an hour. And... I mean, thank God he trusted me, <laughs> you know, to just like... I mean, as as you're his partner, so it's just like the perfect actual, you know, yeah. the, the trust is right there. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so he also had an awakening that same, the day after I did, which I feel like was such a blessing. The day after? The day after. That Saturday, that morning. Talk I was like, about the timing of that. I mean... You just had yours. Babe, I'm just going to do a little bit of Reiki on you. (laughs) And this happens. It was insane. What was going through your mind as you're doing Reiki on him and you feel this force flowing through you? Did you realize what was happening? Did you just surrender to it? Immediately, no. I Mm. was like, oh, this is what they meant. Like Power is in your hands. Yeah, it was like, okay, obviously this is what I'm like meant to do. And... I didn't know what I was doing, but it didn't matter because my guides were guiding me the whole way. And I felt like I was just like communing with God. And I like developed this saying where 
whenever I, cause <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm still human. You know, my conscious brain was like, what the F? <laughs> we don't allow humans on this podcast. Right? <laughs> my human brain was just like, what is going on? But then I would just tap back in and I would say, okay, divinely God, guided by God, body surrender. Divinely guided, body surrender. And every time I was able to drop back in and just do whatever needed to be done. And yeah, he was shook afterwards. He was like, I didn't expect that. And I was like, I didn't either. Um, but he felt so much better. And our connection since has been <laughs> the deepest relationship of my entire life. And the things we went through together after that will bond us forever. And I mean, we were doing Kundalini involuntarily, like on each other and on ourselves at night for maybe three weeks. And like we weren't really sleeping, but we had so much natural energy just flowing through us. We didn't need to sleep. We didn't need to really eat. Like we'd maybe eat one meal a day mm -hmm. and it would take us hours to eat because we <laughs> <laughs> was literally like we were these spiritual beings that had just come down to earth and we were like whoa food what molecules if, what, what do this? we do <laughs> like we don't even need this nourishment <laughs> and it was crazy i i could not do work he kind of like took a step back from work as well and um i mean stuff me a spiritual being yeah it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't work. But, I can't eat. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, I I just look back on that time and I'm just like, thank God I didn't go through that alone. Yeah. And what a I, gift. What a gift to have someone who completely understood because he was experiencing it as well. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Looking back, it's like, it was. We literally just cocooned ourselves. Like, we were just like, we can't go out in public. Like, we can't. Like, <laughs> Babe, we need to stay home. It was intense. Like, I would go out in public and I'd be like, oh my God, I can feel what that person's thinking. Like, it was just overwhelming. Did it almost feel a bit like if you're tripping, but you go in public? Yeah. You can sense way too many things. 100%. Yes. Yeah. And I was, our taste buds were so just like alive and everything tasted so good. Like I was literally having orgasms while eating like fruit. I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> it's so good. And yeah. And then just my senses were just every sense, my sixth sense, my, my feeling, tasting, my sight was better. My hearing was better my psychic abilities like were turned on immediately, which every human has psychic abilities. We just have to turn them on. And um, yeah, it was really crazy. And I don't know if this is TMI for people, but sex after, after a spiritual awakening or a sexual awakening, whatever you want to call it, is insane. Like Tantra times a thousand. I didn't even know what Tantra was. And then we had a an awakening and it was crazy but yeah it was really powerful in so many ways 
And I just immediately felt so called to share it with others. And I was able to do a session with you and with friends and family and just to witness their growth and their own awakening was so powerful. And I was just like, this is not something I keep to myself. This is a gift to share with the world. And yeah, I would love to hear about your experience after our session and like before and after, like what, you know, what you felt that shifted. Yeah, I felt it was a very soothing session, very peaceful. Mm-hmm. I I didn't feel necessarily any huge awakening, mm-hmm. um, but very calming energy. Mm-hmm. And I think something's in the background for sure, as as with these things usually happens, is some things in the background start shifting. Yeah, and you realize later on that uh, certain aspects of your life have shifted or transformed. Yeah, I enjoyed the email you sent me after the session. Yeah, some of the downloads that you got. Shall we read through through some of them? Yeah, why don't you just like touch on some of the really good ones? <laughs> I really love this. So, <laughs> so you sent me an email right after the session, or a little bit after, and so many great points that you brought up. Mm-hmm. I think that will speak not only to me but also to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Your inner child is calling for you to create time and space in your day to do things that light you up. Hobbies and activities that are for pure enjoyment and not for money or gain is the key here. He really just wants to be allowed to be curious, have fun, to not be so serious, and to let your creativity run free. Mm. Talk to me about the power of the inner child and and how we need that play in our life. Mm. And especially as entrepreneurs, um, we tend to focus on work all the time, mm-hmm. nonstop, and we don't allow ourselves to play. Yeah, and and work can even be something that's enjoyable. And I think absolutely, that's, yeah. And I think that's why entrepreneurs work so much is because they love what yes, they do. They love the grind. Mm-hmm. But our inner child, our inner child, is like, but what about me? And it's mm. like, come back to me. Come play with me. Come play with me. And yeah, it's it's really interesting um, that once you start to tap into the energy of your inner child, you can start to operate in a different way because truly all of us are just larger children. And yes. <laughs> you know, we're just we just look a little older. We just look we, with age. We sound a bit more serious. Yeah, but we're actually just kids, and we're trying to take life serious, but way too serious. Way too serious. And and I think as children, we're like, oh yeah, our parents, adults, they have it all together, you know. And so we're trying to emulate that when really life is about childlike joy and wonder. And without that, it's it's really hard to to be your true self, I feel like. How can we balance the play for someone, let's say, who loves working, mm. loves uh, staying up, you know, till the late hours, just working, working, working. Mm-hmm. How can someone balance and, and inject a bit more play? Definitely. Um, just like I kind of put in the email, it's amazing to start your day with something creative. Or scheduling in an inner child 
date. Can you talk to me about how you do that? Yeah, so it's really fun. Um, and that's the whole point of it. But during your week or throughout your month, it's great to come up with something that you loved as a child. You know, whether it was maybe drawing or maybe <clears throat> swimming or riding a bike or watching a movie, something that as an adult, you're like, oh, we don't really have time for that. You know, that's pointless. That's not going to move me forward in my career or, you know, it's just a waste of time. But as a child, you loved it so much. And it's different for everyone. And for me, it is like watching a movie. Like I used to just love movies so much or swimming in the ocean or just playing around with yoga and and just doing whatever I feel creative and flowy with. So it's different for everyone, but it's it's something that helps you to express your inner child and to come back to play. Because when our inner child feels suppressed or that Elected. yeah, yeah, just feels like they've been forgotten about neglected yeah it's it really reflects in how you show up in life and when your inner child feels loved and seen that's when you shine that's mm. when you feel your best and i think that it's one of the things that a lot of people don't even know is important and a lot of us are actually operating from a certain age like in our childhood and ah, i yes, think yes a lot of people can even think about that one person that is maybe a little immature and yeah. got stuck at like age eight <laughs> yep <laughs> you know and but it's like okay we might look and you're age 14 <laughs> right? trying to communicate with them no i literally i tell people i'm like yeah i'm stuck at like age 14 maybe 16 like <laughs> <laughs> and and so but we all have just this like inner child in us that really needs to be loved and supported. And I think when we look outside of ourselves for that love or support, then we're always going to be looking for it. We're never going to feel completely loved or seen. I think your inner child just screwed up the lights. <laughs> I know. She was like, ha, that's funny. <laughs> We're gone. Just keep your kundalini down. I know. She needs to chill. <laughs> um yeah, the inner child. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those parts of ourselves that is just forgotten about. And when you start to tap into that part of yourself and and give your inner child that love that it's seeking and that support then you no longer have to look outside yourself and that is honestly kind of the key to life because when you're no longer searching for things outside of you and you can just give it to yourself through inner child play dates or just time with yourself then you can operate from this full cup like we were talking about earlier 
and you don't need to be searching for the the meaning of life or love in a relationship when you can just give that to yourself. Do you think the inner child being fulfilled ties into self-love as well? Yes, definitely. Yeah, and self-love is one of those things that there is no one answer, but it is one of the most important things that you can give to yourself. And I think women especially really struggle with it. How come? Just because of the media and and social media. The pressures. The pressures and um, the portrayal of what is perfect and it being unattainable for 90% of people. Mm. And yeah, I really think that it comes down to your environment and what you're surrounded by as well. How have you learned to love yourself deeper? Mm. It's been a journey. And even coming to Bali, I feel like I really kind of fell off my self-love journey um, at first after L.A., I think we all kind of fall off. We pick ourselves up. We fall off. I think it's, yeah. isn't that part of life as well? Definitely. I think to remind yourself when you've fallen off track, it's okay. It just means I get to get back on. Mm, exactly. And I almost feel like sometimes we fall off because we need to be reminded of how important it is. Mm-hmm. And, and to go back to the practices that bring us back to self-love. And yeah, self-love is is changing the way you see yourself and it's changing your thoughts about yourself. And it's looking at your beliefs about who you are and the world and the people around you. Because if you're going to love yourself, you also are probably going to love those around you because the more self-love you have, the more love you have to give. Yeah. And... Yeah, just just coming back to yourself and your mornings, like we were talking about. To me, morning is the most precious time of your day. Why? Because it is the the time that you can give to yourself without feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. Because it's the beginning of the day. No one's calling you yet. Yep. You have those precious hours in the morning to yourself. Yeah. You know, before you need to to log into your computer, before you need to be the human that you present to the world, you can just be with yourself and and spend that time filling up your cup in ways that you might you might not be able to during the day. I love how you say before you can be the human. <laughs> you can be the alien in the morning. Then yes. you gotta go be the human. Yeah. Yeah. Be be your alien self in the morning. <laughs> be your crazy, weird self-love <laughs> self in the morning. Yes. And and then you can, you know, put on the mask and be the human you have to be. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um hopefully you don't feel the need to put on your ego mask, but you know, I mean many of us do. And I don't know many people that don't put on an ego mask. We all do. Um, but yeah, in the mornings, it's the time that you can just be your true self. And whether that's like meditation, spending time journaling or movement, whether it's working out or just doing some type of flow and yeah, doing whatever really 
lights you up first thing. So then you are operating at full capacity and you're not operating it at 10%. Beautiful. Let me read some other aspects of your email. Yes, please. Your energy is your currency. Protect your energy from other energy suckers mm. that you are aware of. Be selfish with your energy, especially in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the, the energy component. When you feel like there's someone in your life, maybe they're peripheral, they're not super close to you, but you mm-hmm. feel they're not happy for your happiness and you mm-hmm. feel that they're draining your energy yeah. just from being in your life. Mm-hmm. How would you cut that cord energetically or tangibly like how how would you deal with that situation definitely have you felt that in your life ever absolutely yeah and especially since my recent awakening i've really felt a lot of distance from people back home because they don't recognize the new maggie Mm mm-hmm And it's been kind of like that awkward feeling of I don't feel like they fully support me anymore because I've gone down a path that they will never go down or, you know, not never, but just haven't considered going down. And yeah, I I think that instead of taking it personally, which nothing is ever personal, truly, like whether someone is upset with you or they're jealous of you or not happy for you it's not because of you it's because you're triggering them and and they either want what you have or aren't approving of what you're doing and so yeah it's first just not taking it personally and knowing that they were in your life for a reason but it doesn't mean that they have to be in your life forever and sometimes you can just casually let them exit your life because I think as you become more at peace with who you are and your your own life you don't feel the need to like keep these people in your life even though they like meant something to you there's an attachment that can happen that's unhealthy yes with older loyal friendships Mm -hmm. and I think it's important to be a bit more detached and just let the people that are truly interested in you come into your life and let the people who are no longer interested exit yeah definitely and it it can be a little bit of a process to to become at peace with that and know that it's not because they don't love you or that you don't love them anymore it's it's because you do love them Mm. and it's because you can love them at a distance and Mm. say you know, we're no longer aligned and that's okay. And I'm going to send you love either way. Have you ever had anyone who blocked you from your life or mm. they, they exited your life, not in a peaceful way, but in a dramatic way? Mm. You know, <laughs> not recently. Um, I did have someone that I had to block. Interesting. Yes. And he was definitely an energy sucker and a manipulator. And I'd never had to block someone out of my life ever before. And I, yeah, I just got to a point where I knew our friendship was just no longer healthy. And um, 
yeah, it it took a lot for me to be like, you're no longer allowed in my life because I give people like 20, 20 second chances, you know? Was there like t- too much toxicity? Mm-hmm. Yes. Boundaries being crossed? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, but that was, it felt like it was done in love and just honesty. And the the boundary was not respected and so it was just it was just another sign that like he was just not not meant to be in my life um but yeah i don't know if anyone has i mean i yeah i don't know if anyone has blocked me from their life but if they have i'm glad i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you're so in your space you're like i don't I'm even like, notice wait you blocked me i'm like they might have blocked me on instagram but that's fine (laughs) so the lesson for the listeners here is your challenge for today is to block one person that's directly from maggie honestly i feel like we could all block probably one person (laughs) we could all use that we could all block one person today all right (laughs) whether it's like energetically or actually physically i think you're right i think you're right i think everyone in their life has at least one person in their life that they've they're keeping them there for some reason, mm-hmm. it's not a good reason. Yeah, it's not serving either of them, mm-hmm. and it's time to cut that cord. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because also they're taking up valuable energy space from the truly ten out of ten matches, friendship matches, romantic matches that could come into your life, but you're actually blocking them by keeping these very partial, um, toxic, unhealthy matches. Yes. And it's going from that scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset of like, if I let this person go, something better will come from this. Yeah. And instead of thinking, if I let this person go, that's one less friend I have, you know, and it's changing that mindset of there's an abundance of incredible people in this world. You mm. will always meet someone new. So talking know. of incredible people. Let's talk about love and relationships. Yes, yes. One of my favorite topics. How many times have you been in love in your life? Oh, I love this question. Wow. Wow. Um, I would say three times. And they've all been completely different. And the first one was my high school sweetheart that I was very anxiously attached to and um like thought I gave him all of my love and just didn't feel like it was reciprocal um but now I understand like it just was it was a different type of love it was a love because I didn't love myself mm-hmm. and I was like searching for that love outside of me and so I was giving away all of my love to try and receive it yeah and it didn't work (laughs) so that's a big one that's a big lesson for those listening is yeah are you giving love because you want to give it or because you're trying to receive that love yeah absolutely and so i didn't learn that immediately um until i experienced a different type of love and um i yeah, I fell in love in Hawaii when I lived there for a couple of years. And um, it was one of the most toxic relationships of my life. And I loved him very conditionally. And yeah, I I loved who I 
thought he could be. Mm. And I thought I was helping him become this higher version of himself. I just read a quote the other day, like, don't make your partner into your personal development project. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I tried to do. And it backfired um, because the poor guy just, that was never his vision for himself. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> You come into his life, let me help you live your life. Yeah. <laughs> For my benefit. <laughs> yeah. It was like, let me help you help me. And it was not good. And he did want the help. But like on the outside, he just wasn't ready mm -hmm. to, to make those changes. And it was unfair of me to have this conditional love for him. Because it felt like he had a lot of like unconditional love for me. So... Yeah, and I'll admit my faults. You know, I I didn't have healthy relationships in the past, and um, and that relationship only ended like a year ago. That was your longest. Um, actually, the high school sweetheart was five years, and the Hawaii one was one year. Um, but then moving to to now, yes, have the healthiest relationship of my entire life. And the most unconditional love for this human who unconditionally loves me as well. And our relationship is bliss. So I, yeah, I, I say all of that to, to show that just because you have a history of toxic relationships or unhealthy, unbalanced relationships doesn't mean that that's going to be the story for the rest of your life. Yeah. And My doing friend, the inner work. Uh, sorry? Doing the inner work. Doing the inner work, yeah. Before is, yeah. My friend, me. she recently said, uh, you know, the healing that you're seeking from your ex is going to come from another partner who's mm. going to love you in a different way than what this partner can ever give you. Mm. You know, yeah. so like you're, you're the traumas or the pain that we experience with someone who's so close to us. Sometimes they're not able to be so attuned to what we really need. And mm -hmm. it takes the next relationship to heal from the first. 100%. Absolutely. And I also believe in something called karmic relationships, where I think romantic relationships a lot of times, just like you said, are to teach you lessons and to show you how to heal from the pre previous relationship because I didn't heal from my five-year relationship until my relationship in Hawaii. And then I didn't heal from that relationship until the one I'm in now. And, and I think that also goes back to you don't have to wait until you're fully ready, you know, to, to get into a new relationship um, in some ways. But yeah, absolutely. Which one was harder to leave from the first two relationships? Yeah, the five-year was really hard. We, we were together for, yeah, from high school through college. And the attachment is very strong. Yeah, you know, and we had just grown apart, honestly. Um, he became a dentist and I was like leaving the matrix. And so he was going into the matrix and I was exiting and it just was we were not on the same page anymore and 
but you know, we had grown up together almost. Yeah. And so many people had been like, oh my God, you guys are perfect. And it felt like I was not only breaking his heart, but I was breaking other people's hearts when I when I ended things. Yeah. So. Other people's was, expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard, but yeah, it. <laughs> I've been the breaker upper for <laughs> almost every relationship. <laughs> Um, the truth comes out ladies and gentlemen (laughs) i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but (laughs) well it just means you know yourself it's it means you you make the tough decision i'm not willing to settle (laughs) and that is a wonderful quality yeah and so thankful that i never did because it wouldn't be where i am now it takes two to tango right Mm -hmm. i think both partners eventually realize something's off yeah, but one of them sure. has to be the stronger one to make that call. Mm, yeah, and it sounds like you have been the stronger one. Yeah, it's never easy. It's never easy. Yeah. It's always painful. There's mm. no way to rip that bandaid off without no. pain. Mm-hmm. I think the reason we delay it so long is because, like, maybe I can like smooth it out. It's like no, there's maybe, no smoothing out. Maybe if we, you know, like do this or figure this out or move in together something crazy like it'll be better move in together that'll solve it <laughs> i know yeah old me is like yeah let's get married that'll make things better and it's like but people do that that's why so they have many... kids as well they're like maybe yeah. we have a kid yeah it makes me so sad and i feel like that's where a lot of people you know just get in that um kind of like happiness rat race of life where like once I graduate college, once I get my job, once I get married, once we buy a house and have kids, then I'll be happy. And yeah, I think in relationships, it's the same. It's like, once we do this or once this happens, we can finally, you know, be happy and peaceful. But it just never works out that way. It's a delusion. Yeah, absolutely. Where did you find your strength to leave that five-year relationship? <laughs> um alcohol really yeah i know that sounds bad but that's interesting i was really i had to the only way i could get courage to do it was on new year's eve of 2019 basically just super drunk whatever it takes (laughs) came out i could no longer hold it in i was like i can't do this anymore yeah and yeah and what was then the reaction i feel he knew it was coming he knew okay he didn't know it was this was that not night, this but <laughs> yeah but he knew yeah and he agreed he's like yeah it's just we're not the same anymore and yeah it was babe you're drunk but yes i agree <laughs> you're you're so drunk but you're so right <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like it's it we're done yeah and um yeah i was like i just can't go home with you i'm just this it's just no more love new year new me i was literally (laughs) unintentionally like he's not coming into 2019 with me like (laughs) we're leaving him in 2018 (laughs) that's kind of brilliant i mean yeah guys a hack break up around new year so you don't yeah (laughs) yeah new year new me new year new me yeah wow But you know, the alcohol thing is interesting. I think Mm -hmm. the real lesson there is 
you get to a point of clarity where it's undeniable. 100%. And when you feel that clarity, that is the moment to jump. Yes. And so many people, they feel the clarity in the moment and they're like, okay, I'm going to tell him in three days. Mm. I'm going to postpone this clarity to Wednesday. <laughs> and then I'll let him know. By the time Wednesday comes, you're like, oh, but mm, it's not that bad. Yeah. Maybe we can stay another year in this. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is what happens. And so I, I really encourage for anyone with any life decision, as soon as you feel that clarity, that is your intuition. Mm-hmm. That is your wisdom. That is your guidance. Mm-hmm. Jump now with that yep. full conviction and you will receive the consequences of that will be maybe painful in the moment, but beautiful in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely jumping when you when you feel right when you feel when you feel like it, because otherwise doubt creeps in, fear comes in. And yeah, every time I've ended things, that's what happens. And I postpone it and um, just grateful for the times when I did have that courage to just say how I truly felt and just, yeah, go for it. Tell me about the time in your life where you moved countries to meet the love of your life. Yes. So your current love. Oh, I get so excited talking about him. Um, I wish he were here. Maybe we should do a joint podcast with you too. Oh my gosh. Yes. Please. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> we would love that. Um but yeah, so uh backtracking to LA. I was living in LA and pretty unhappy, but just hiding it. And I was just like, I love it here because it's beautiful, but it's just not my home. And I started reaching out to my friend Lexi, who um, I had met in LA a couple months before. And she moved to Bali. And I was so sad. I was like, oh, she was like the one person in LA that I felt like, I could really, really connect with and grow with. Um, And other than like a few other friends there. And when she moved to Bali, I was like, okay, we'll just stay connected. I'll probably move there. You know, I just, I, I just don't feel ready to leave LA just yet. And then I saw that she met this, this guy named Ibrahim and she was telling me about him. She was like, he has such a, a sexy British accent. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, sounds nice, you know. I didn't think too much about it. And I followed him on Instagram just because I wanted to keep up with him and Lexi and them all hanging out. And were they just friends at that moment? Yes. Yeah. And they were actually, like, all living together with a couple of other friends. And... Um, and I was just like, oh, it looks so fun. I wish I could be there. And then he reaches out to me wow. on Instagram. And Slides he, into your DMs. He did. He absolutely did. What What inspired him? Well, he asked me to do a podcast with him. Interesting. And yes. And he had never had a woman on his podcast before. So um, I just kind of knew. I was like, hmm, this could be flirty. This could be fun. Did he know? Oh, yeah. That it was wasn't why just he asked. the podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the podcast. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I get you. Yeah. If you if you ask him when he first saw my Instagram, he just like immediately knew. He was like, "Yep, we're gonna date." And I was like, "Well, a man on a mission." And <laughs> intuition as well. 
Yeah. So he was here in Bali. I was in LA. We did our first podcast together. Talked for three hours. Could have talked the whole day. And then we just started chatting every day since then. And we would send each other what we would call like podcasts, like 10 minute long voice memos, just like getting to know each other. And we FaceTimed and that was in October. In that moment, did you sort of know you're like, wow, this is a really interesting person. I was like, this is different. This is different. He's completely different. And I just felt so intrigued and just so excited for the first time because I had I had entered the LA dating scene for a little bit and I was like okay, not impressed. Not impressed. This is not good. I'm getting the heck out of there immediately. <laughs> like don't even need to to get into that. But um yeah, I just knew he was different by the way he spoke and the way he was so intelligent and wise. And yeah, I just found him so interesting. And I was just like, I want to get to know him. And we really kind of built it off of friendship first. And yeah, it wasn't immediately romantic or anything. And but then as we started to FaceTime more, we would get flirty. And I could just tell there was feelings there. And he asked me to come to Bali in November. And I was like, I can't. I have to go home for Christmas. Like I have all these things. I'll come in January. He's like, I'll buy your plane ticket. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I'll buy my plane ticket right now. <laughs> and so I did. And I got on and I I bought my plane ticket like within two weeks of him, you know, or no, within a week actually of him offering. So and Christmas with family? No. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. No. I went home for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. instead. And um, they were pretty upset. <laughs> they were really sad about that one um <laughs> you're like i have the love of my life waiting for me in bali i was like i either have the love of my life or my best friends in bali waiting for me so either way it's going to be amazing um so thankfully yeah he wasn't the only person i knew here um how how fortunate that lexi kind of led the way you know it's like she was such a good friend to you then she left to bali And Mm -hmm. it's like our friends often call us to places before we're ready for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful for her always. She's just such a beautiful connector. And yeah, she's connected me to so many people, including the love of my life. Mm. And matchmaker Lexi. Yes. Shout out to Lexi. Yes. Shout out to her always. She's amazing. And so I came to Bali. What's going on through your mind as you're flying 30,000 feet in the air? You have no Wi-Fi, nothing. Uh, You have all the time to think about the decision you've made. (laughs) I was nervous. (laughs) I was like, shit, this is either going to be really good or really bad. (laughs) I don't know which way it's going. But I I just kind of knew. I was like, I have a good feeling. And then when I landed in Bali, I was a nervous wreck. Like, I was... <laughs> he was, because he was waiting somewhere he in the airport. He was waiting in the airport. And you knew that, and you... 
I was literally so nervous and I was sweating. Like, I think my hair was like, dr- like sticking to my face. Like <laughs> it was gross. I was also wearing long sleeves and long pants and it was really hot, but I was, I was also just sweating. So I was so nervous. And then I see him and I just like run into his arms and he picks me up and mm. we kiss for the first time. And I was like, okay yeah and then it was not an easy first month to be honest we had a lot of just normal triggers come up just around um being in a relationship for the first time in a long time and meeting each other and not only getting to know each other but also being romantic in a relationship it was just it was a lot and um him being from from London and me being from the US and just having different worldviews and different um just I guess um personality traits in a way. Mm. We kind of clashed a little bit at first. What part of your Americanism clashed with his Britishness? Yeah. Well, I'm very open. I am a very much an open book about everything including my body and um which has kind of changed since the awakening actually I've, I've felt i've been more like protective of myself um which is good but yeah being from the uk i feel like they're very they can be a little bit more closed and a little bit more reserved in some ways just like protective of themselves mm-hmm. which can be good but also can mean that like your heart's closed. And um, so, yeah, it was a little bit of a learning curve of, okay, where can we find the middle ground here? Where like, I feel like I'm still free to be myself. And like, you feel comfortable with my openness. Because especially when, you know, you're both single prior to this, Mm -hmm. you both enjoyed your freedom. Yep. Doing exactly what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Now it's two energies building a life together. Yes, absolutely. And it and takes an adjustment. Definitely. What helped you guys the most in the adjustment and to get over that, those challenges? Mm. I mean, just the first and foremost, open communication. Like always. And just having that foundation of trust. And um, I had some old programming of my past, basically, where I had to get over being afraid of confrontation and talking about the heavier, more serious topics and not thinking that if, like, we're upset with each other, we're done, you know, and or that we're not meant to be together. And seeing that confrontation or just open honest conversation actually leads to so much more love Mm. and like a deeper connection and why do you think that is why do you think doing the confrontation and working through that brings people closer Mm. because it's a bit of a paradox 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like when you sweep things under the rug, it only leads to resentment or just feeling like you're not on the same page, like especially for women. We really kind of connect everything in a relationship. Like one thing could lead to another thing. And so we're worried when they say this or do this because it might mean this. When for men, it's so much, it's more like when you say something, you mean it. And um, so, yeah, when you don't have that confrontation immediately, it just leads to a buildup, I feel like of so many little things that if you don't address them immediately, then they compile and they lead to... Compounding, but in the negative sense. Mm-hmm. And so you said, number one, communication. Number two was having those, you know, working through the confrontations. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, <laughs> this isn't realistic for everyone, but having an awakening together is <laughs> like... Really helps. Really helpful. guys write that one down kundalini awakening (laughs) it honestly like our souls are so intertwined now and i mean we yeah our souls literally speak to each other and during that awakening we had there was this one day where we had this vision where we were touching our third eyes together and i literally saw us as children growing up together all the way until we were like retired grandparents. And it was almost like our inner children had lived many lives together. Wow. And then I saw visions of us in our past lives as, you know, different couples and um, yeah, going all the way back to Egypt. And so this is not our first rodeo. We've, Mm -hmm. we've definitely, you know, our souls have met before. And That's so beautiful. Yeah. I definitely believe in soulmates. Do you feel like you manifested Ibrahim into your life? Was there an intention that you set earlier last year that somehow perfectly aligned with this new partner coming into your life? Yes, I really do. I, I feel like I had said no to so many people before him. Mm. Um, that it created a vacuum. It was almost like a vacuum. It was like, nope, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Because honestly, when I was younger, I didn't really know who I wanted to be with, like the type of person, like what they would look like, be like, or anything. And so it was through experience, really getting to know the type of person that I needed or was looking for. Beautiful. So, yeah. Would you say he's even better than what you had envisioned for your ideal partner 100 percent. yeah no it's it's funny i could go back to this list i wrote down a couple years ago of my ideal partner and he's everything on there and more Mm. and i've heard of this list thing you know that it really does work the people who've who make a specific list of everything they want in a partner Mm. then they look two years later three years later and they're like wow I have exactly the same person in my life right now. It's powerful. Yeah, the the power of written word is incredible for manifestation. And there's something about writing it down. It's just like you're writing it in stones. And so it is. 
And yeah, I, I think your ward is your wand was uh, Florence Scovelshin. Yes. Yeah. Or author. your speech is spells. What you speak becomes truth. And yeah, it's been really powerful just knowing that we have the power to manifest, but also it's so important to stay open to what can come in that might be even better. Yes. Yeah. Because like I said, he wasn't exactly, you know, what I thought my person was. Like I I thought it was just this list. I didn't think outside the box. And so I didn't know he was the one when I first met him. But then once I got to know him, I was like, oh, he's all that and more. When you got off the plane and you had your first kiss in the airport, what did you feel then? Well, I had so many nerves, but (laughs) I felt just... You felt sweaty. (laughs) Yeah, I felt really sweaty. (laughs) And I felt like it was very much like this coming home. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, this is it. Mm. And that's really what I felt with him the whole time is that it's been very much like coming back to myself with him and and coming home to true love and i never i didn't actually know if i really fully believed in that until i met him wow that's powerful yeah because i you know and only had examples of divorce in my life from my parents and And so I just didn't really understand what it felt like until I met him. What are your favorite qualities of him? Mm, So many. Um, First off, I love how weird he is. (laughs) Nobody gets to see how weird he is except for me. (laughs) And you're not going to share with us? He's a goofball. And yeah, he... First off, he's so wise and he's just so, like, whenever I have talked to my friends um, and I'm like, you know, maybe upset with him or something like that, I'm like, I just know he's going to just be so Buddha about it. And like, (laughs) he's just so zen zen and peaceful. And he's like my rock, like, honestly, just always I can come to him and he's just like grounds me and grounds Mm -hmm. my energy and um yeah it's crazy because he had a spiritual journey a couple years ago that really prepared him for our awakening mm. and um yeah like i just feel like everything was just in divine timing but um he's so wise about spirituality and um he's so kind like has the best heart and just like spoils me rotten and let's go back to the weird stuff yeah (laughs) he's yes he he i can't spill too much but um maybe when you're both on the couch yes yeah we'll let him you know demonstrate but yeah i was like because i'm a weirdo at heart and i think it's just so nice to be with a partner where i can express that as well and and know that he he gets it he can match my weirdness like i think that's what everybody's just looking for we're all weird on the inside 
And we're 100%. just looking for that one other person who can be as weird with us. Yeah, to make us feel less weird, you know? For sure. <laughs> Ibrahim, we know you're weird. It's all right. <laughs> we can see it. He's an alien too. It's yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What can you tell to the men listening to this podcast? How can they be better relationship partners? Mm. From what you've seen in your own beautiful relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's to embrace your masculinity, truly, and to really take that seriously. And because Ibrahim was the first man that I've been with that was in his divine masculine. And I say that lightly because so many guys these days are like, I'm in my divine masculine. And it's just like the spiritual ego type thing. Um, but it's to embrace your masculinity and to be the leader in the relationship and to take the responsibility of being the protector and really guiding the relationship in a lot of ways. Because in my last relationship, I was, I was in the masculine and it was exhausting so many women have to be in their masculine of like figuring things out, you know, being the, and not to say women can't be the breadwinner, you know, it's totally, it's incredible. Um, but, you know, it, it shouldn't be the responsibility of the woman. And this is very old school of me. And I mean, how dare you? The feminist, the feminists out there be like, oh no, like, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but yeah, I do really believe that it's, it, there is a balance between the masculine and the feminine and a relationship. And it's a responsibility of the, the male to really, to hold her in, in her feminine and to allow her to be in her feminine flow and be emotional and, um, and let, allow her to express, but also know that, like, it's it's a, all out of love, mm. you know? And Ibrahim and I actually sat down and read a few chapters of The, uh, the Way of the Superior Man. Mm. Mm -hmm. And he thought that I was going to get super triggered by it. And he was just kind of reading through some chapters. And he's like, what do you think of this one? And... And I was like, I agree. I was like, women do test men. We do test you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a normal it. thing. You should expect it. <laughs> and <laughs> the truth comes out, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And it's like, we do it without even realizing, you know? And um, I think it's it's something that men just need to maybe embrace more of, like, feminine comes with emotions why why do women test men oh yes i love this it's because we want to to know that we can trust you and that you are our man and that even if we test you like even if we're like you're really gonna do that you know or you know hey babe like can you fix this for me and it's a test it is a test it's because like it goes back all the way back to when we were in tribes. And it's like, we want to know that our man is going to fight for us and is like going to do whatever it takes for us. 
And some men might think that's too much for women to ask. Or, you know, they might see it as like, oh, you're so much. You're so like high maintenance to, you know, always ask me. And yeah, it's it's really changing that perspective. And I'm just so thankful that I have a partner who sees me when I'm showing up in my inner child or testing him and and just says it's okay like you can you can do that you can be emotional you can show up in your inner child and I don't need to show up with anger or like be upset they are testing me what other parts of the book did he show you Gosh, I wish I could remember because there were some really good chapters. Have you read the book? I've not. I really should. It's yeah, it's really good. And so um, many people have have recommended it. Yeah, it it just kind of helps you to understand women more, I feel like. And um I think some parts of it talks about sexuality and some of it talks about just how to show up in your masculinity because i think a lot of men are just lost with that these days yeah and i don't know if i'm a woman but this is just what i've observed and um tell it to us like it is yeah i don't know do you feel the same way that i feel like masculinity has kind of been lost in some ways for sure yeah and like so yeah for for any male listening it's i think it's so beautiful to to show up in a strong masculine role for your woman even though we might test you and even though the feminists say that you know we don't want to be controlled and um what we really crave is protection and, and safety and trust the word trust has come up a lot mm-hmm. in this conversation i feel like that's one of the most important aspects of any relationship yeah absolutely and trust is a has a lot of different meanings for people some people would be like trusting them to not cheat or trusting them to stick up for me and for me i'm like trust is everything Mm. it's like trusting them to be your your home trusting them to be your safety and trusting them to hold you to a higher standard to and to hold themselves to a higher standard and yeah just trusting that they are that they've got you yeah yeah and that they aren't um ever going to hurt you in a you know in a meaningful way they yeah, it's it's something that I don't think I had in previous relationships, honestly. And that's why it's so huge. What are some relationship rituals that you have that keep the relationship healthy, that keep the communication open? Yeah, so about once a month, we have a check-in about our relationship. And we just kind of bring anything up that has maybe not been addressed or that's like been swept under the rug just so that nothing like kind of sits there and festers um babe i counted five tests this month yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah like 
No, it's usually, it's so funny because I think we do it on the daily, just naturally, that when we sit down and do it, we're usually like, well, um, yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Five minute meeting. <laughs> yeah, we're like, okay, we're good. But yeah, I think we really just address things when they come up naturally. Um, but yeah, and and also just really making sure that we give each other's love languages. Mm-hmm. And doing that on the daily, like he knows I love words of affirmation and gifts. Mm. And so just like every once in a while, he'll give me just a little treat, like maybe, you know, or just he'll tell me I'm beautiful. And then he's he loves physical touch and quality time. And and so I make that a priority. And um, he gets plenty of head scratches. And, you know, it's like it's. It's really seeing your partner for who they are and what their needs are and and knowing that they might receive love in a different way than you receive love. And so making sure that you just stay cognizant of that and like give them the love that they are needing. Mm-hmm. So we all receive it in different ways. So yeah, mm. definitely important. Maggie, tell me about your shroom experiences. I was wondering when we would go into this. Yes. It's not a James Sander trip without the shrooms. Exactly. So, yeah, I was actually here in Bali. And I started experimenting with mushrooms last summer. And I was just microdosing at first, just kind of testing the waters, seeing, you know, how my body responded. Another test. Mm -hmm. Yes, just many tests. (laughs) (laughs) the shrooms don't mind being tested yeah no they they actually enjoy it and um (laughs) so i started with microdosing loved it Mm. i just had so much fun what benefits did you feel from the microdosing yeah i just felt so light and the first time i did it actually um my best friend and i in hawaii we sat down in a park and we made a tea. The tea did not work. We were newbies and <laughs> the tea did nothing. <laughs> and so thankfully we shared like these, I think like three little stems we had left over. And so we used that to microdose and we sat there for I think like six or eight hours and the time just flew by. We just talked through everything that had been weighing on us. And we felt so much lighter afterwards. And it was like we had gone to like 10 years of therapy in mm. six hours. And I know it. Yeah, yeah. I feel it. You get it. And it, it felt so expansive. Um, but I was still too afraid to like go all in and trip. And um, and so I just kind of experimented with it, like doing it socially. And it always felt like I was cleaning my brain when I did it. Yeah. Like it just felt like I was sweeping out the cobwebs, getting rid of whatever was like I was holding on to. 100% feel that as well. Yeah. Every and trip. It's like yeah. a little more cleaning, a little more rewiring. Mm-hmm. Let's put all the furniture in, in place. You come home to your brain. Everything's neatly arranged. Yes. And it just felt so good. And yeah, and I love the conversations while I'm microdosing. 
Like I literally just have so many bursts of ideas and and I I always do this thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a little like bookmark in there because I want to come back to that, but I have to talk about this first. <laughs> just so many ideas coming through that I was like, okay, bookmark that one. We'll come back to that one. Um, you create open loops. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Hundreds. It, yes. Oh my gosh. It's so fun. And yeah, my brain is just like, ah, this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then my very first time tripping was in December of last year when I first came to Bali. And I was up north in Sumerkima. And uh, I just, yeah, it just kind of like came to fruition. A couple of guys that we had met at the um, resort were like, hey, we're going to make some mushroom cacao and go on a hike if you and your friends want to join. And my friend Isabel and I were like, heck yes, we're down. And yeah, I was kind of scared, honestly, to trip. It's normal. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect. And It's your first time diving out of the airplane. Yep. Yeah. So I was weary about drinking the whole cacao, but I eventually did. And it was amazing, um, the taste of it. And so we hike all the way up to the top of this hill and the mushrooms are finally hitting once we've like hiked all the way up there. And I just remember looking at Isabel and being like, I see your inner child. Mm. Like I see you as your inner child. And she's very much just like this, like childlike, beautiful human. And she looked at me and she goes, you look like a fairy. Mm. And I was like, I feel like a fairy. And I've always felt very connected to fairies. Um, but yeah, that was the that was the start. And then it, the sun was setting and all of us were really feeling it. And I just felt this like overwhelming joy. And I looked around at these three guys we had just met. And I was like, you guys are my brothers. <laughs> I feel so love you. connected to everyone. So connected. It's the ultimate unity consciousness. Yes, know. absolutely. And I was just like, this is our new family. Like, <laughs> we can take on the world together, guys. Like, <laughs> we got it. this. I love it. And there was this moment that uh, I felt really connected to one of my past lives. Um, which I was a Native American woman in a past life. Um, I've, I've learned that through um, past life regressions. But I felt really connected to her. And it was almost like she overtook my body for a moment. And I was standing on this like overhang, like looking at the sunset and looking at all of these beautiful villages below me. And... I just felt so much just power and like groundedness and this just confidence that I'd never really embodied before. And one of the guys came up to me during this moment. Um, poor thing. He was just trying to show me a photo he took of me. And I was talking to Isabel when he came up and 
I w- I've never like shushed someone. But in that moment, I was like, shh, I'm speaking. And it was like, and Isabel was like, the power that just came through you. And I just felt like I was this priestess almost in a way. And and I didn't, and it felt like I, I said that out of love and just like this confidence just grew and grew during the the mushroom trip and yeah i mean it, it faded eventually afterwards and i but i still feel it today mm. i think that's the beautiful part is that like i can tap into that energy because i'm like oh that is a part of me how was his experience of that he actually bless his heart he was like i was just in awe of you wow in that moment he was like He's like, I didn't feel disrespected at all. He was like, I was just in awe of you finally standing in your power. Mm. And yeah, so that was, I mean, from the outside, it probably looked like such a small moment, but it felt like really big. Yeah. Um, because the small moments are the big moments. Yeah. And then seeing sacred geometry in the sky, like once the <sighs> sun set it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was just like, is this real life? It is. Yeah. And it, it actually is the real life. No, exactly. <laughs> and that's what Dima said to me, the the other guy. He was like, this is real life. And I was like. We're seeing more of the life, of the hologram, of the simulation, of the dream on the shrooms. Yep. And that was when it really clicked for me of like, wow, the reality that I thought was real is so much deeper and so much more beautiful. And it just felt like such a gift. Mm. And we all just kind of like laid in this cuddle puddle and we just felt like the love between us. And it was one of the most special nights I've had in Bali, honestly. And yeah, yeah. And that moment I feel like truly was another just like starting point for the awakening yeah you know of just it's really... a touchstone moment yes I've yeah i had a few of those yeah my first dmt trip my first acid trip yeah and each each one of these tools connects you deeper to the hologram mm. awakens the senses mm-hmm. um the doors of perception are opened and they never really close mm. yes and i think what I was afraid of initially is that door never closing. Mm, you thought you'd be crazy for life. Yeah, because I, I've had a um, my my ex that he was, he would do shrooms and he would say how at times it was fearful and so he put that fear inside of me, making me think that, oh my gosh, if I have a bad trip, I'll never come back. And so I'm so grateful that I had such a beautiful experience where I'm like, this medicine is not scary. It's very friendly. It's so In the right conditions, in the right environment with beautiful people. Mm. You almost, personally, you almost cannot have a bad trip with Mm -hmm. right people and the right environment. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy for your first experience to have gone that way. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really just so grateful and honestly open to 
you know, doing more trips because, you know, I, I know it's not going to be as one, you know, it, it could be as wonderful as the first one. It, it's most likely going to be different and could be a bit difficult. And I would love to hear your experience if you've had some harder trips. Each one is completely unique. Mm -hmm. there are some patterns that reappear over them and you kind of learn the map the territory you're like mm -hmm. you become more and more comfortable with it because you know how to find your wings quicker mm -hmm. the first hour yeah. or two it's like you're, you're the plane's taking off you don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. and you find your wings um, but yeah each one has been very unique which mm -hmm. i love it's mm -hmm. like the chapter of a new uh, the new chapter of a book you don't know what's going to yeah. happen next but it leads directly to the previous chapter mm -hmm. and it ties everything in all the lessons and in terms of difficult trips there have been some they're only ever for your own good yeah and i'm talking about difficult trips that come from your own psyche let's say not difficult trips that come from bad environment and bad decisions made, you know? Mm -hmm. Like if someone's tripping unsafely, mm -hmm. that's one sort of bad trip. Right. But if someone is in a safe environment and they're having a difficult time in the inside, mm -hmm. something powerful is happening there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard work, and that's why it feels difficult. But it's necessary work. And okay. always, always for me personally, when I come out of it on the other side, at the tail end of the trip, mm -hmm. it's always a feeling of relief, of beauty, of love. It's like mm -hmm. that that resistance, you work through it, you learn mm -hmm. to surrender, you learn the lesson, and then you're free. Right. And you find that, the, the you find the lesson in it, and the trip always turns beautiful for me in the end even on the most difficult trips. And the same thing happened with ayahuasca as well. Mm. The very first ceremony, and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but um, the first two hours of it hitting me, I thought, this is the worst trip of my life. How am I going to survive the next six, seven, eight hours? This mm -hmm. is because I was feeling so much grief Mm. which actually was a good thing it needed right. to be felt but in the moment in the intensity of it mm -hmm. you go well i cannot handle this mm -hmm. and then because of my previous mushroom trips i knew to hold on surrender relax as much as possible mm. i had a notebook and i would just like scribble some words to try to keep me grounded in it yeah but it was a lot it was a lot it was really tough and then it started shifting as any trip does it has an arc yeah. Mm -hmm. And I felt the arc and I was like, ooh, we're shifting. And I was like, wait, I want to go back to the grief. In wow. the grief. Get me out. Get me out. Yeah. As I was shifting in a more positive state, I'm like, that was interesting. Mm. That rawness. I'd never felt grief on that level before. Wow. I want to stay in that and learn more. Wow. But the trip took me where it took me. And and so I had enough of the grief. And and I went on and, and learned so, and it became one of the best trips of my life. Right. The most, but imagine that, thinking in the beginning, this is going to be the worst trip of my life to mm. this was the most amazing, transformational, like the gratitude cannot be overstated for mm. that trip. Mm -hmm. and, and I've seen that in a lot of the other members in the circle, in the ayahuasca circles, you know, the next morning, 
even the person who was crying all night long, they all say, gracias a la madre. Mm. Thank you to the mother. Because Absolutely. in that crying, in that grief, they went through something extraordinary. And when you come out of that on the other side, you're changed forever. It's like when you were talking about neutralizing the trauma of, mm -hmm. now it's not interesting anymore. You're transmuting, you're alchemizing. You come out of that changed forever. And, Beautiful. And also, yeah, my favorite part of the mushrooms and ayahuasca as well is the amount of downloads. Mm -hmm. You have a direct connection to source for those six hours. Absolutely. And I receive the best advice, the best therapist, the best homework. Um, like, my God, it's like I take notes and notes and notes after when I can write, you know, in yeah. the middle of the trip, you can't write. Yeah. But, you know, afterwards and... And I try to follow through on those as much as I can. And it's just the best downloads. It's like having a torrent to the universe. <laughs> 100%. It is honestly one of the best ways to just immediately step onto this like personal growth, just rocket. Absolutely. And going back to your ayahuasca trip, I... I really do believe that when you can feel the depths of the really, really harder emotions, that's what allows you to feel the heights of the the higher, more joyful, beautiful emotions. And so I love that you were like, wait, I want to go back to the grief and I feel go back. more. That was interesting. That was powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And now that I know I'm okay, let's go back. Right. <laughs> now, now that I know I can survive that. Yeah. Like, Because <laughs> yeah. in the middle of it, you're like, oh my God, eight hours of this? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, difficult. But, but yeah, the, the arc... There's always an arc. This is mm -hmm. what I want to tell people who are considering any type of trip, mushrooms or or something even deeper is there is an arc. It's it's never the same for eight hours. It shifts yeah. and molds and takes you on a whole journey. Mm -hmm. And mushrooms to me are so special because they're so friendly. Mm -hmm. They're so friendly. They're absolutely perfect for beginners. They're absolutely perfect for experienced trippers because you can mm -hmm. adjust the dose and go layers, layers deep. You know, and, Absolutely. and so you really get to choose your adventure mm. and choose how much you want to take and have the experience that is most needed for you. And I truly, you know, my dream for the planet, I don't know my mission, if you know my mission, one billion humans, it's yes. my mission is to let's get one billion people on the planet connected mm -hmm. to these plant medicines, mm. educated about them, working with mm -hmm. them, you know, once every while. You know, maybe once a month for some people, maybe once every three months for some people. Get a get build a relationship with those plants. Mm. Imagine if one billion people on the planet were regularly communicating with shrooms. It would be a whole different planet. Life changing. Life changing. Truly. And then the vision is okay, imagine if one billion people took shrooms on the same day. What would that do to the frequency of the planet? It would raise the vibration like nothing else. And what would the next morning look like? <laughs> you're in your coffee shop. You're like, were you one of the one billion? 
Are you on the wave? <laughs> right? Yeah. That would be incredible. That will be incredible. So it's a lifelong mission for me. And it's it's why I do the podcast. It's why I am so passionate about it. I feel like every, well, maybe not every person, but at least one in eight will benefit from this. Oh, I completely and agree. Deep down, I do believe actually every person can benefit from it. Mm-hmm. But I think some are maybe will take their time to get there. Mm-hmm. But I think we are ready as a collective yeah. for one in eight people. Absolutely. People are looking for it. They're looking for it. Truly. They're realizing it. The internet obviously yeah. has brought a lot of education to a lot of people mm-hmm. faster. Mm-hmm. And it's time. And so I completely agree. Hearing your experience and how beautiful it was, I wish that for mm-hmm. every human on earth. Same. Absolutely. If everyone could just see their best friend as a fairy and just experience their most confident, powerful self. Yeah. That would be life-changing and and more, you know, it, it's... It's the wisdom. It's also like getting over the fear of it. Yeah, you know, like so powerful. That changes you as well. You're mm-hmm. like, wow, I went into this realm mm-hmm. that seemed so scary and I was welcomed. Yeah. yeah. And I felt at home. And I felt more like myself and more connected to reality than my so-called sober reality. Absolutely. And just seeing that... There's more than what meets the eyes. That was a big one for me. Because mm. you read yeah. about it. You hear mm-hmm. about it from teachers. But yeah. experiencing it first person, the mysteries, mm-hmm. the frequency, seeing sacral patterns, uh, yeah. geometry yeah. in the sky, in the plants, in every living being. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, the books were right. But now I know it because I know it, not because the book told me. Exactly. And, and it makes all the difference. That's why, honestly, I feel like plant medicine and energy healing goes hand in hand because they really have so many similarities. And I actually tell people that when you do a Kundalini activation, it's almost as if you were to do like a mini ayahuasca trip. Mm. Because you're moving through so many emotions when you're like have gotten to that point. Yes. And yeah, I think that everybody can can benefit from either energy healing or plant medicine and i really think that they're just both of them are so natural and just like these gifts from god because yes. they're just naturally occurring that is and, the m- most beautiful part as well yeah they're just like, plants that grow in our simulation yes they're the ultimate I call them the ultimate video game cheat codes. Right. If you really want to know yeah. the source code of reality, yeah, they're planted all over every continent, yeah. almost every continent. It just pick them up and have the trip. <laughs> right, and it's yeah, it's it's beautiful. Really incredible how so many healing modalities are just right in front of us, and so many people just don't know, and they they feel like they have to rely on. The medical system when, of course, medicine is so important, but it's like you could do what you do in 10 years of therapy in like two trips or one trip, you know, and it's really just, it is a life hack in a way. Yeah. And it's not to set the expectation for people that they're going to get 10 years of therapy. I actually think going with no expectations is the best surrender maybe you'll feel nothing 
maybe you'll feel, you know, because then you're open to the surprises. Yes. It's the preconceived so ideas that kind of get in the way sometimes. So true. Yeah. And that's the same with Kundalini. Mm. It's like going in it with no expectations, mm -hmm. and just surrendering to it. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels, I feel like, with both Kundalini and plant medicine. Do you think you'll ever want to experience ayahuasca? Yes. I've been feeling the call for a while now. And yeah, again, the fear is what holds me back. So I feel like that would be just even just getting myself to do it. Not even the actual experience would be powerful in itself just to, again, like overcome that fear. Yeah. Just remember how you were welcomed into mm. the shroom land. Yeah. It's it's the same with ayahuasca. For for me personally, I can only speak for myself, but it's it is a welcoming home. Mm. And like I like I described, it can be very tough. Yeah. But the toughness comes not from anything the medicine is doing to you. It's coming from your own psyche and your own mm -hmm. traumas. Mm -hmm. Right, the grief I was feeling it wasn't because ayahuasca was punishing me in some way it was mm -hmm. I was working through stuff I had not wanted to look at mm -hmm. and the ayahuasca the ultimate truth teller it's like we're gonna shine a flashlight on that mm. absolutely and like you know they call her mother ayahuasca like a mother she can be stern mm -hmm. there's always the love wow. she's not gonna drop you so she's always supporting you so even in the yeah. grief someone something was holding me there mm. That's what I've heard. It's just, you can really feel her energy. And I love that because, yeah, the mushroom energy is just so, like, it's almost playful in a way sometimes. Oh, yeah. and it's oh just, I love that playfulness. Yeah. Talk about inner child. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I feel like it'd be really, really cool to experience kind of an opposite, not opposite, but different energy in ayahuasca where it's more all right, I'm going to support you. We're going to go through this together. And yeah, no, I feel it, it would, I know it will be very, very, very powerful. Mm. So beautiful. Yeah, I'm excited for the day that I decide to do it. It'll be divine timing. Exactly. And that's what I truly feel is I feel like I'm in this waiting period of like, okay, when is someone going to present it to me? Because an opportunity, because then I will know it's time. But I feel like I I don't want to seek it out just yet. Let it come yeah. to you. Mm -hmm. Maggie, it's time for the lightning round. Oh. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Lightning round with Maggie. What brings out your wild side? Ooh. Mm. Probably Ibrahim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Music, honestly. Music. A good, mm. like sensual music. Well, you had an epic playlist during our Kundalini session. Oh, yeah. Yes. That was, that was quite something. Yes. That, I was vibing. Yeah, that music. Music brings out my wild side. It like, lets me break free and just like flow. Same. It's mm -hmm. so, so powerful. It is also yeah. a tool. Like, you know. Oh, yes. Not yeah. just the beauty of it, but it's like moving through you moving your energy mm. and on mushrooms i find music yeah. to be so important for my mm. solo trips when i'm yeah. doing them alone in a room mm. i put a specific type mm -hmm. of music on and it guides my trip 
and it keeps me grounded, wow. but allows me to soar, you know? Mm, yeah, just like Kundalini. Yeah. The, the music really is such a guide. Yes. Yeah. For anyone who wants a good mushroom playlist, there's one on my website, <laughs> so they can check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'll just check it out. Have you ever broken the law and didn't get caught? If so, how? <laughs> many times, many times when I was younger. Um, yes, there was a few times in my my younger years where, um, yeah, we would just have some fun, fun times in a... Shenanigans? Yes, yes, in high school when we would... Oh my gosh, we would be smoking weed and drinking alcohol at our friend's house and just, there were a couple times when cops would come over and we'd be like, okay, who's the most sober? Like, go answer the door. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, delegation at its finest. Yeah, and we never, we never got caught. But yeah, those were the, the good old days. Not really. I mean, they were they were fun, but honestly, I feel like every stage of life is a good old days. You it's know? the seasons of life. Yeah, that was a season. It now was, it's a different season. Yeah, it was fun, but glad we never got caught. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad too. Yeah, <laughs> Maggie, what do you most value in your friends? Hmm. Wow. Um. That's a great question. I would say. I definitely value friends who who make time to really see each other. Mm. Friends that are willing to go deeper with you and to talk about the not so easy topics and to to see you in your fullness instead of just seeing one side of you. Yeah. So important. Who are your favorite writers? Ooh. I love Michael Singer. Mm. Love him. The Untethered Soul Mm -hmm. was an influential book for you? Yes. It was honestly one of the first books I read that really opened my mind to spirituality. But at the time, I didn't understand it. Mm. And I was just like... This is an interesting concept, but it doesn't really land for me. And then it's so funny when I read it more recently. I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. It's too different. Yeah. So it's Michael Singer's just incredible. Do you recommend people start with Untethered Soul or Surrender Experiment? Mm, See, I haven't read Surrender Experiment, which it's on my list to read. And I've... Um, done a little bit of his surrender course. Um, I think Untethered Soul. I really think that's like a beautiful place to start. It just kind of like opens your mind to what's possible. Do you feel like Mm -hmm. your mushroom trip was your untethered soul? Oh, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) My soul was floating about in the ethers, like not on earth. (laughs) Yeah. Who is your hero of fiction? Ooh, my hero of fiction. I don't know why this is coming to mind, but Hermione Granger. Mm, That's a good one. (laughs) I freaking love her. And 
yeah, I think she was one of the first like young female characters who was just like strong-willed and confident and yeah, led the pack of boys and yeah, I just love her character so much. Beautiful. Yeah. Which historical figure do you most identify with? Oh. Mm. Gosh, I would honestly say Mary Magdalene. Because she is, I don't know if I like identify with her like as our stories are similar. I wouldn't say that. But I just, I really feel her energy. And um, she's one of the historical figures that I feel like is really misunderstood because of how she's portrayed in the Bible mm. is different than what her life actually looked like. And she's just, yeah, she's like a sister to me. And so that she's like the first thing that came to my mind. I have a lot of love for her. She was another one of the goddesses that really like supported me through my awakening. So Beautiful. Kind of reminds me of the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. She's such a big part of that. Yes, 100%, which I think there might be some truth there. Mm. So, What is one of your favorite movies and why? Mm. I always say the Titanic because oh. it's just one of... You know, I love James Cameron. Oh, so this yeah. is like so, <laughs> so vibing. Yeah. And Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. I've been in love with him since I was in third grade. How many times did you watch Titanic? <laughs> I lost count. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's well, so it's good. a movie that tugs at your heartstrings, mm -hmm. you know, and it's yeah. technically incredible. It's emotionally incredible, historically mm -hmm. incredible. I don't know who can hate Titanic, but I know. They they're just they just don't get it. If people don't like Titanic, I'm like, mm. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> no. But also when you said, I see you when your friend was seeing you as a fairy and you were seeing her inner child, mm -hmm. it reminded me of James Cameron's Avatar. I'm obsessed with Avatar as well. Like there's so, James Cameron is a genius and there's so much truth in Avatar. So much symbolism. Symbolism that I just love. And it also reminds me of being on a mushroom trip when I watch Avatar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I totally feel he's probably done some medicine, uh, some some shrooms, some ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. There was a deleted scene actually in the original Avatar that no basically mirrors an ayahuasca journey. Whoa. Cut out. Maybe the world was not ready in 2009. But uh, you can see the sort of the half rendered version on YouTube. Okay. And wow. it's just like incredible. He's seen through the Navi's bodies, he's seeing energy, light beings. Mm. It's, uh, I was like, wow, I really hope we see this in the sequels because this yeah. is incredible. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and then even the second movie, I just, I was like, this is incredible with just the energy of the movie, but also the the energy that the the younger sister was like working with and like connecting to yes. the earth and to the universal energy and I was just like wow I would love to one day interview him and ask him like what you know how 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 much has he done in terms of spiritual yeah. work in terms of uh, plant medicine I feel yeah. like I feel like he's got some stories oh for sure 
even like the way the we now know the mycelium network that connects mm-hmm. you know earth and mm-hmm. it's very similar to the pandora network exactly but when the movie came out at that point the mycelium connection i think was still a theory and so it's mm-hmm. like it's so interesting how life mirrors art art mirrors life yeah absolutely mm. yeah what three words represent the core essence of who you are Mm. Wow. I would say light, strong, and expanding. Expanding. Yeah. I love that. That's what I feel on the shroom trips. Yeah. It's this constant expansion mm-hmm. into greater and greater levels of being. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'm the type of person that's like, if I'm not expanding, I'm dying. You're either expanding or contracting. Yeah. If I'm not learning, I'm, it's, it's, yeah, what's the point? I love learning and expanding and growing and mm. such a passion. Do you have a favorite poem? Oh, you know, I don't have one specifically, but I actually wrote a poem when I met Ibrahim. No way. Very short poem. And that's probably my favorite one because it just reminds me of us. But Can you read it to us? Yeah, let me see if I can recite it. Um, Where I end, you begin. Our edges met, melt together. To become one in bliss. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. In The Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz writes about the dream of the planet Mm. and how it's the collective dream of billions of smaller personal dreams. Yeah. What is your dream for the planet? I love that book. And my dream for the planet is to empower each other to become their own healthiest version and their own healer and to give the power back to the people of seeing that they can heal themselves and that you don't have to live a life where you are sick or where you are disempowered and you know, no matter what your circumstances, like you can always, like that is just my dream that everybody can see the hope and the light mm. that <clears throat> is their birthright. They're never stuck. Yeah. There's always a different chapter of the story coming. Always. And hang in there. Yeah. Don't give up. Yeah. Absolutely. Maggie, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. I feel like this has been like, one of the most epic conversations <laughs> and i hope you feel the same absolutely my final question to you is what is one piece of advice you'd like to leave the listener with on how they can lead a more epic life mm. yeah the first thing and i just feel like i need to lead by example with my intuition is that it's to get out of your own way mm. And I think so many of us stand in our own way of 
the life we truly want to live. And we we hold ourselves back, we keep ourselves small, and we limit ourselves in our career, in our relationships, and our abilities. And it's like, what if for one day you just step out of your own way? And you're like, but what if I could? But what if I could have everything that I dream of? Everything I've ever wanted. Just let that go and like actually go for it and do it. And then continue to do that and see how it changes your life. Because a lot of times the only person standing in your way is yourself. Mm. Beautiful. Maggie, thank you so much. Thank you it's so much, James. It's been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find you if they want to vibe with you? Yeah, if you want to vibe with me, you can find me at Maggie Moon with three O's on Instagram. That's where I'm mostly active. And yeah. That's where you live. Yeah, that's where I live. Maggie <laughs> Moonville. So come check me out. Um, I occasionally will release a podcast episode, but... Um, the main focus is Instagram for now. So beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, and yeah, your energy is just infectious, and really, really grateful to be here. So thank mm. you. Thank you, Maggie. That means a lot. Mm. You've been listening to the James Zander Trip featuring Maggie Moon. If you enjoyed this episode, leave me a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate that. And to stay in touch, join my newsletter at jameszander.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, so if you're still listening and you've made it this far, I want to thank you personally. You are one of the OGs, the true fans of the podcast. Not many people listen to the end, so if you've actually made it this far, I don't take that for granted. I appreciate you so much. And I invite you to reach out to me personally. I'd love to hear what episodes you most enjoyed, what type of topics and what type of guests you'd love to see in the future. Feel free to message me on Instagram or you can email me if you sign up to my newsletter and just hit reply to the welcome email. I'll be sure to read it. Now, if you have a moment to rate the podcast on Apple or Spotify, that would help me out so much. I super appreciate that. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast on YouTube, please do me a favor and go to youtube.com slash at James Zander Trip. I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers, so every subscriber counts. One last thing, I have another podcast where I do solo episodes, mostly about psychedelics, but I also share life lessons and all sorts of insights. So if you search for The Microdose, you can find my second podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And finally, I just launched a mindset course called Unlock God Mode. So in the next audio, you'll hear more details about my course. If you're not interested, feel free to skip to the next episode. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It means the world to me. Feel free to share this episode with a friend that you think might enjoy it. And I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, you might enjoy my brand new audio course, Unlock God Mode. Unlock God Mode is a four-week experience where every day you'll get a 15-minute audio lesson that gives you frameworks, tools, and perspectives to upgrade your relationship with life. In the same way that mushrooms give you insights that help you up-level in the video game of life, I designed this course to do the same thing for you. 
I've compiled every lesson that I learned through psychedelics, through meditation, through my spiritual work, through life. I've put my best tools in this course so that no matter who you are, if you choose to go on this adventure with me, you're going to learn some amazing frameworks. You're going to learn to see life with new eyes. You will improve your relationship with life, and by extension, your life will improve. If you're interested in more details, go to jameszander.com slash godmode or use the link in the show notes. Use the promo code SHROOMS for a special discount. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I deeply appreciate you. Feel free to reach out to me through my newsletter. Go to jameszander.com to sign up. I'd love to connect. This episode is sponsored by magicmush.ca. If you're looking for an online dispensary for magic mushrooms, mushroom chocolate, and other high-quality psychedelic products, head over to magicmush.ca and use the promo code JAMES to get 25% off. Thank you for listening, and have a beautiful trip.